Hey guys, welcome back to Radical Living Podcast. This past week included the International Day for the Abolition of Slavery in it. And I think it's really prominent that this episode uh, that I recorded um, is being released today. I sat down and had a conversation with Bryn from Blue Bear Coffee. And we chat about social injustices, anti-slavery. We talk about human trafficking. And we talk about his journey in starting up Blue Bear Coffee and what it is all about and what its mission is. Hope you guys find this insightful, educational, challenging. Hope you guys find it encouraging as well. Uh, I loved having a chat with Bryn. I learned so much from the episode um, and hopefully you guys do too. So we pick up this episode where me and Bryn are just having a little chat um, and I ask him the all-important question of what football team he supports so hope you guys enjoy it oh jessica <laughs> you're presuming that question that i i have any interest or in is, football is it rugby you know what's t- it- <laughs> well just my family are a spur a big spurs supporting family so that would probably be the team I would say, since we I've been to White Hat Lane in oh, numerous okay. times to, to watch Tottenham well, play, but I don't really follow them. They had a great result this week. They had a great result this weekend. Yeah, and I, I am going to say I am a big Arsenal fan. Oh, I couldn't have picked a worse team. So you couldn't have picked a worse team, but it's okay, I'll forgive you. It's fine. You are a gracious woman. <laughs> Thank you. Um, no, I, just something I'm I'm really interested in, just about you. Um, I was kind of just doing a little bit of research on the blog and uh, different things that you've been writing and, and just um, sharing information on. But have you always loved traveling? And if so, could you name some places you've been to? <laughs> yeah, I have. You know, I got one of those maps for christmas once where you scratch off the countries that you've been to yes i haven't put it up because it actually looks terrible on the wall but i have got one and i have scratched a few countries off Um, so yeah i i you know so it's all like it's like a scratch card so it has that sort of gold leaf cool and then you scratch that off to the countries you've you've been to Ah, correct so you can record and sort of show off where you've been to I um so I have I've done a bit of traveling. It's mainly around North, Central, and South America. Okay. Um, so I like I mentioned right at the start. Actually, I, I went yeah. to Bolivia when I was eighteen, and I've been back once and been to Colombia and Chile and oh, wow. Ecuador and some countries like that. And then I worked in the Dominican Republic for a year, a few years back. Yeah. And and then in my more recent job, I had to travel to. Bangladesh and Thailand and Romania as a consequence of that role which was a real joy as well so yeah I love to I love to travel I've really missed traveling since yeah put put the brakes on life Uh, is there one particular country that you would like to go to that you haven't been yet oh good question yeah oh wow well I I did so I did go to Thailand in February but I was only ended up in Bangkok for a week and part of that was working and I really feel like my time there was just far too brief I would love to go back and see more of Thailand and I've I've got to know some charities in that area and in Cambodia too so yes I would love I think if I could take a flight tomorrow I'd love to go back out there and spend some time in Southeast Asia yeah good country to pick but you're quite the traveler so 
Yeah, well, I wish. Yeah, I wish I could call myself that. At the moment, it feels. Yeah. I feel very domesticated. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you always been aware of injustice? Like, was that something you were always aware of? Yeah. Yeah. I think possibly more sensitive to that issue. I probably didn't know it at the time of being a child as as injustice. I think I just I knew I had a very clear sense of what was fair and yeah. what was unfair. And that bothered me to and sometimes to a point of self-sabotage, you know, I would fall out with teachers yeah. <laughs> and get myself in trouble if I felt what they were doing was unfair, if I thought yeah. um and and you know, so I had that sensitivity from a young age. I hated seeing people bullied. I hated seeing my classmates that might yeah. have been a little bit different looked a bit different whatever being picked on that really really bothered me and i have childhood memories of doing some sort of soul searching not too long ago someone had asked a similar question like where does okay. it go back yeah. go back to for you and i thought of it being a recent a recent thing but actually i can i mean i was i was a blessed loved child from yeah. A, yeah. my teacher my parents were both school teachers i lived in a middle class town in east sussex i was protected and loved yeah but i always was very conscious of um yeah people that weren't as fortunate as as me and i felt the need to respond in in some way so i think in answer to your question yeah i think that is something that's been there from 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 day dot yeah really interesting how it's uh, something that has kind of always been there that you weren't aware of at the time but now mm. it's it's become really prevalent for you and where you're at yeah well i would have thought it was the later life thing but i <laughs> i actually had this i had this memory um i have this memory of of an incident when i was probably 10 or 11 years old yeah. and i'd been up the 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 wreck where we've been playing football with my pals as a little boy on a, on a summer's afternoon evening yeah. and we were coming home in this lovely little village town called battle in east sussex and and it's not the sort of place where a lot of crime takes place and mm -hmm. um and i saw a man come out of a restaurant on the high street with his girlfriend or partner and he was clearly angry and he was grabbing her by the arm and sort of shoving her around and then he pushed her against uh, the, the the front window of this restaurant her back was to it and he then headbutted her in the face bang, wow. and broke her nose and I remember just being so shocked and appalled by that it just totally took my took me by surprise something that I'd seen on tv but not in reality but quite bizarrely really for a little boy yeah. I, I did cross the road and challenge uh, this man and not to not to a duel or any sort of fist fight. I was a child but I did say hey that's not okay yeah, they're yeah. not leaving until you leave her alone and the police came and he yeah. chased us and the lady said oh thanks to the little boys that crossed the road and helped and, wow. and I don't mean to, to recite that to be in any way um, sort of self-congratulatory or, 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 or yeah, heroic yeah, but yeah. just actually as a really early memory of being want you know wanting to respond and having that almost automatic yeah. uh, response but I'm, there's been plenty of times where I haven't been yeah. brave and I've, I've sort of acted like a coward and looked the other way but I can remember doing that from quite a young yeah. age. Really interesting um we'll not go into the <laughs> we'll not go into what what's all behind that but it's just I find it so interesting that that happened and now what you're doing um, it just it, it's really intriguing um, the podcast is called Radical Living Podcast. 
so anybody that's listening, they know that's what it's called. Uh, different guests that I've had on, I've asked them uh, what does radical mean to them. So I'm just really interested to see what does radical mean to you, Bryn? Radical is a is an adjective that we used to use in the 80s, early 90s by saying something was radical. Yeah. But um, that, that word hasn't been used like that, uh, thank goodness, for at least <laughs> just about 20 years now. But um, yeah. I, I, think, I think of radical living being going the extra mile. I had mm. a, we have a podcast at Blue Bear, and I had a fantastic guest on a few weeks back called April Tam Smith, and I referred to her being radically generous yeah. or being a radical giver because I know lots of generous people, but not to the extent of April yeah. who gives her spare room away that gives away 80 to 90% of her take home salary to charity. Who's wow. just, it's that authenticity, that integrity that comes with living out a characteristic like being generous and just going that extra mile. So I think, I think radical living is, yes, it's extraordinary, isn't it? It's, yeah. it's doing that bit more than what people would expect of you. Yeah, love that answer. Thank you so much. Um, tell us, Bren, how then, you, so you've given us a little insight to your past and how this kind of triggered um, this protective nature and wanting to fight injustice. But um, tell us a little bit about how Blue Bear started and explain to us why you're so passionate about it. Absolutely. And I don't know how long your podcast is, so I'll, <laughs> I'll, try, and, um, I'll try and keep my answer fairly yeah brief and pertinent not a particular talent of mine um but i so i used to be a police officer when i left the i left university i joined the police yeah. worked in norfolk where i'm sat at the moment yeah uh, as a response officer answering 999 calls and yeah i enjoyed it and then i transferred to the met wanted to sort of accelerate my career yeah. and work as a surveillance officer in east london going after mm-hmm. Uh, nasty criminals in plain clothes following them around getting evidence of what they're up to and that was hard actually that was really really <laughs> really stressful very very long hours and, and I just got a bit fed up of it to be honest it felt okay. like we weren't necessarily seeing seeing justice done with a lot of our cases and I started to wonder well what would life look like outside of the police Mm. So I left and did a bit of traveling, went to Mexico. Hey, yeah. did you mention that place earlier? That's oh, a great, great country a too. <laughs> yeah. So good that you left that one out. <laughs> yeah, forgot it. And just then I came back thinking, okay. Yeah, I know. It's just, just one of those things, right? Um, and I came back thinking, okay, what, what do I do now? And I thought, well, what do I know? And I knew the world of security and I knew the world of policing. So I started a security company and it's... It was amazing, actually. It went down in history as the UK's least successful security company, I think, <laughs> in the Independent Security Awards. I, uh, it just, just didn't really work. It was, yeah. I was back again in Norfolk trying to tell people they needed security, despite it being the safest part of the United Kingdom. So not a place to launch a startup yeah. security firm. And it you learn, fell on you its learn. backside. So I, I've learned many times through failure. <laughs> And um, I moved back to London and ended up working as a bodyguard. So okay. I worked as a bodyguard for the next four or five years, which was remarkable for mm. the high net worth community over the world, some characters from it. And it was uh, such a privilege to sort of peek behind the curtain of the 0.001%. And it was great. I mean, I don't, I don't um, deny that, but it was a long shot. 
yeah. from fulfilling any sort of call on my life to pursue justice. Mm. And after a few years of, of that of that lifestyle, I just felt that I wanted to get back on track. I wanted to be able to protect people that couldn't afford to pay handsomely for their protection. What about those people that had nobody to protect them? And yeah. So I left, I left that world behind and I volunteered for a year for an amazing organization called International Justice Mission. You can probably tell by the name of that organization where it's headquartered. Yeah. It is, uh, it's American and we love them for it. Um, but they also work in, I think, 16, 17 different countries around the world. They're actually the largest anti-slavery agency wow. in the world. Uh, been around 20 something years and they're doing a fabulous job. So I decided to volunteer. I didn't even um, uh, apply for a job and uh, I thought, well, what if I could actually just give you a year of my time? And I got sent to the Dominican Republic for my sins. I mean, there are definitely harder places to go yeah. for a year. My, my sort of peer, there was only two investigators that year that were, were hired to support existing investigation teams okay. is me and my friend and he got sent to Calcutta and I ended up in the Caribbean so I kind of felt that when that that coin was flipped the Lord was on my yep. side yep. I've never been so happy that I'd left my Spanish GCSE <laughs> on my CV when I'd applied I think that's what tipped the balance yeah but I ended up in the Dominican Republic working for IJM doing a, a project that was investigating the commercial sexual exploitation of children on the island. So the Dominican Republic is a beautiful holiday resort. It's got white yeah. sandy beaches, turquoise seas. I've been, I've been. It's beautiful. Let me get. Did you go to Punta Cana? I did. Yep. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> typical. Like, typical. Yeah. I wish it was more. I wish it was more um, unpredictable than that. But hey. <laughs> yeah hey well I, I went myself a few times to sort of really? book myself a little weekend away I needed it yeah. um, but it was it's a remarkable you know it's beautiful and certainly within those resorts it's it's quite it's you know yeah. it's, it's paradise but outside of those resorts it's also extremely mm. poor and extremely polarized it's the country of the haves and the have-nots and most of the country existing in that second category and there's also an issue there the fact that prostitution is legal mm. And for many other complicated socioeconomic reasons, you can find a high percentage of children in the sex industry. And I hasten to say children working in the sex industry or working as prostitutes, because I do not believe that a child has the agency in their decision making to identify themselves as a sex worker. There must be something that has gone wrong in their life to, to find them in that position, if not yeah. someone is coercing them and exploiting them. So the project was to identify those children, identify people that were responsible for the exploitation and trafficking, and obviously respond with the full weights of the law with, with the, uh, the local police and federal police and the anti-trafficking department. So I worked in support of that unit my job uh, being a six foot tall ginger guy covered in tattoos was not to be a surveillance officer which is what i'd, I'd done in the met yeah. it was to to play the role of, of a tourist that was out in country or maybe a worker and that was looking to find uh, someone to have sex with and then try and reduce that age mm -hmm. to a point that we could identify people trafficking children and it was you know remarkably difficult role to play a remarkably mm. difficult job to have but also an incredible privilege to go to some really dark places where if we weren't there well then who is if we're not looking there then then who yeah. is and we, we obviously were able to release a number of children from positions of 
you know, awful, unspeakable suffering. And, and one of them was a child that had been sold by her mother to people in the community. She was only 14 years old and she'd been sexually abused since she was seven by members of the family. And now her mum had realised she could actually earn some money if she sold the use of her, her child's body to people in the community. And it was a it was a particularly sad case. And she was a particularly exceptional and brave young girl. And she gave a statement to one of the police officers. And as it was read out in the police station before we went on a, on a rescue operation, it was just silence when we, we heard a little bit of her story. And so she was removed from that situation along with her little brother and sister. And my colleague who was driving her to the safe house turned to her and said, listen, you're probably not going to be going back home again. Do you want the guys to pick something up for you? What, what do you want us to collect? And the only item that she thought of asking for was her blue teddy bear. And then I got a picture of her sat in the back of this car, our car, with a ragdoll blue teddy bear on her lap. It wasn't like anything you would imagine as a teddy. Yeah, it was just wasn't polished. Held together. Far mm. from it. And so I, you know, as a, as a UC, as an undercover, you don't get the opportunity to kick down the door, sweep up the child, walk off feeling brilliant. That is not your job. Your job is collect evidence, give it to the police and step back. Because if you do that, you expose yourself. You might ruin future investigations as yeah. a consequence. So you don't get that moment that you so long for to reveal that, hey, I'm not a bad guy. I'm doing this for you because I want you to be released from this situation. Yeah. So I don't get that. But what we did get was I did get a photograph of her and I thought wow it broke my heart it stayed with me for a week a few weeks at a time and I thought oh this isn't leaving me and I went home for Christmas and it just felt you know that dichotomy of my safety in, in Norfolk with my family the people that loved me and this girl and her life I thought what can I do for that child and other children in that position that can help in yeah. some way and I knew it might start as a tokenistic response but I wanted it there to be a response so we raised some money, some, me and some friends, and we raised about two grand. Couldn't go online, couldn't go viral with it because I was working undercover. So it had to be a low profile thing, but still went back to the Dominican Republic for the second half of my year there with about two grand to help. And I spoke to the aftercare department of the team out there and said, well, what can we do to help? So we went out and spent $500 on teddy bears, which was great. They're still being given out in the Dominican <laughs> yeah. Republic now. But then we had a bit of a fund there to help with the more complicated needs. There were children that had in our care that had diseases that there was no budget to have them tested, let alone treated. Well, right, okay, we can pay for that. Or there were kids that were reluctant to go to school, not because they were naughty children, but they, yeah. they didn't have the school uniform. They didn't have the, the shoes, the books, whatever the materials they needed. And there was no budget for that. Right, we can pay for that. I think you imagine when a child enters the care of a charity, then their, their life's sorted. It's not. It, resources are extremely tight. And they have to be stretched as economically as possible to release children from slavery. So as you'd imagine, the, the budget is tight and I wanted to help that. And yeah. it's not a sustainable way of doing charity. That is essentially a slush fund, but it was also the very best part of my year, the very best part yeah. of my experience, being able to be a link only in a chain between real immediate need and provision. And I just returned from that year with IJM thinking, what if I can create a means of continuing that and growing it to a point that goes beyond what I can personally give, what I could personally fundraise for? And I don't want to take from the existing pool of donors that are giving to anti-trafficking organizations. I want to, I want to take from that pool. Yeah. I just want to bolster it. I want to support mm -hmm. it. So let's do it through a business.
Mm-hmm. So that's that was the, the the seed that started Blue Bear Coffee. So we use our coffee business not just to raise awareness for these issues and the re- awareness for the amazing organisations in these places combating these issues, but also ideally as the company grows um, yeah. to be able to financially support them, be able to pay for wow. investigations, pay for aftercare facilities, pay for projects. That is the whole purpose of Blue Bear Coffee. Guys, before we get back to our conversation with Bryn, I just want to take this opportunity to say thank you for tuning in and listening to the podcast. And if you haven't already, please make sure to like, subscribe, share, follow, and leave a review on all of our platforms. Jumping back into our conversation with Bryn, I had just shared a past experience I had uh, in Dominican Republic where I recall driving towards a five-star resort Uh, and yet all around me was complete poverty. And so I asked Brennan the question of how we can be more aware of modern day slavery. Human trafficking, and, and, and this is still happening, modern day slavery is happening right now, but we're, it's painted a little bit nicer. It's not that obvious. So how can we raise awareness or be more aware of this global issue that is right in front of our eyes but we somehow feel to see it yeah it's a great point to um to make jessica thank you i think you're absolutely right to to identify that slavery exists on our doorstep the last organization i was working for up to recently is is an organization called justice and care Mm. And they co-authored a report that came out a few months ago called It Still Happens Here. That was the title of the report, in which they estimated there was 100,000 people in the UK living in slavery. And, 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 that's, and that's still potentially an, a, an underestimate of actual, the actual reality. And that was based on police data. So, and that's what we know about. Mm. Uh, so I mm. think... I think you're right to identify this is not a problem that exists over there it is a problem that exists all around all around us and the more switched on to it the more aware of it the more we want to develop our understanding of it the more we're looking to spot the signs of slavery in our communities the more we will realize what what such a, a large-scale problem we have here the fact that when you talk about three people tend to think about the transatlantic slave trades uh, 200 years ago and the abolition of slavery with William Wilberforce. But actually the reality is, I mean, the, the estimate of global slavery is over 40 million people. There's, there are higher numbers of slavery today than there ever was in our past. It's, it's huge. And, yeah. and it's, it is like you mentioned on our doorsteps, it's in our, car washes it's in our nail bars it's Mm -hmm. in the uh, unknown corners of your street that actual function actually function as as brothels and and this is where people are being trafficked and they're being exploited and sometimes to an extent that they're not even completely conscious that they are a victim of human trafficking there are domestic cases that come to light fairly frequently now where people have been paid pennies who have been working for families as a domestic servant for years uh, without the understanding that, that that's totally and utterly illegal, yeah. without control to leave that situation, without a passport, well, that's that's trafficking. And 
and so that so that it is all around us and i'm glad you you make that point and we need to develop our uh our feelers you know our heat sensors yeah. to, to what it looks like where it is and what what we can do about it and i encourage people to if, the, if this is something that's on your heart if this is something that it bothers you and it should then develop your your awareness develop your eyesight for these issues start responding there are lots of ways of doing that there is a non-slavery helpline that you can call to report anything you see that you think might be untoward might be suspicious it's okay if it's if it's not perfect a perfect example of slavery but if it causes you to be suspicious if you're going to get your nails painted and you see the the girl that's painting your nails looks like she's incredibly fragile she's malnourished she's she's not in good condition she might look that she might be showing signs of abuse in some way physical abuse there might be a mattress you go to the toilet and you think that's a strange place i think I can see behind that door, it looks like a little mattress. And I wonder if someone's sleeping here. You know, that's really, really interesting. And that would be interesting for the police to follow up on. So that's the sort of intelligence. Same when you go to, to car washes or you see it in the agricultural. If you see conditions that don't look right, then I would encourage people to report that because we can't respond without intelligence. Yeah, really just interesting insights there. And I think for most people, you know, if we think about slavery slavery, or we think about human trafficking, we think it has to be this big thing and it should be really obvious and, and in our face, but mm. actually it's happening all around us and we need to be more, I think it's just a real wake up call. And just for anybody that's listening to this, to, to be more alert and be more aware of our surroundings and of the places that we visit maybe every day or we're in every few weeks to just always just just be alert to that and, and, and not look the other way, as easy as that might be, um, and not ignore it or not be ignorant to it or oblivious to it, but actually ask ourselves that question, is that right? And if it doesn't add up, to get in touch with those helplines and do something about it. It's tricky, isn't it? Because yeah. people, it's in our nature not to be a nosy neighbour. No one wants to be a nosy neighbour. You certainly don't want a nosy neighbour, do you? Mm. But, but the, the, you, you, you've got to go against that. You know, you've got to encourage people that if you're seeing a van turn up and collect people from down the road or in the flat above you early in the morning, dropping them off late at night yeah. or in the reverse, what is going on there? Like, why is that taking place? We need people to report these things. Mm. So... I would encourage the same as you. Yeah. Um, just kind of moving on then to just another question I had. Um, I, don't, I don't know, Bren, uh, if you have a faith, um, d- does that motivate you in what you do? How does that, how does that motivate you? Yeah, I do. <laughs> I do, yeah, I, I have, a, have a faith. I yeah. consider myself incredibly fortunate to have a faith. Some yeah. of the the places I've been, there's no way I could have explained that away without a, a believer, a belief in God and a belief yeah. that that he is ultimately in control and his yeah. justice will be seen if not in this world, then the next. And I think it, it, it's, it is my motivator. And yeah. I felt when I left the, the police, I felt a bit scrambled and lost and wondered what well hang about god i thought i thought that's what your plan for my life was i thought i was going to have a career in this institution but here i am in mexico walking yeah. the beaches going hey what am i supposed to do yeah. with my life and actually that was one of the the few times in my life that i've felt a real a real 
connection with with what you know i refer to as god and i felt the lord say i just want you to love me yeah. and that that was his mandate for my life and i don't have a a, a huge deep profound philosophical mind so i had to try and outwork that somehow yeah. okay okay that's my mission that's my mandate how do i love you god and uh, and the way i see it is is just loving the least you know i love that part of the book of matthew where it says well where you you love the least you're loving me you know when you're visiting the prisoner when you're caring for the orphans caring for the for the malnourished for the hungry for the destitute that when you are doing it to the least you are doing it to me so that i think that is our our mission and i think i think as well i mean my belief is we all have certain sensitivities i think we are beautifully different and the way we're made i believe we're completely unique and we each have certain sensitivities and we need to respond to them some of them will be homelessness some of them will be the environment some of them will yeah. be the blind, it will be disabilities, it will be education. And some of it might be issues of justice. And you, none of them have to be mutually exclusive. You don't just get one. But I do believe that there are certain sensitivities that we have. And because we, need, we all need to be following them up. We need to be yeah. responding to them. So I feel that as part of my faith, like, hey, what am I doing about this? I definitely don't want to reach them pearly gates if, if i make it up the steps yeah. <laughs> and the lord said hey what did you do about this issue i gave yeah. you a heart for people that were being trafficked i gave you a big heart for people that were being abused that mm. were vulnerable to exploitation what did you do with it mm. i ignored it it was too uncomfortable i looked i looked away what a wasted life mm. so i just want to i want to just want to look look into it you know look towards it yeah i think it's a great motivator and, and i just think you know, Jesus did that so well and radically loving people um, and just, and like you said, loving the least and just making time and for uh, the not so privileged or the malnourished or the, the orphan or the widow and, and just took time um, and actually let them know that somebody cared. And I think that that's just beautiful, um, especially in what Blue Bear Coffee is doing and just trying to fund all of these organizations and just uh, projects that are trying to make a difference because I just think that that's something that Jesus did so beautifully um, and so radically because it was frowned upon, it was uncomfortable but yet he did it anyway and that's what he asked us to do um, so I just, I love, I love that um, and it's a great motivator to have uh, yeah. in this um, I love that yeah. something that caught my eye about Blue Bear Coffee and I was reading through just doing my research, um, something that one of the core values was transparency. And I just was quite interested to know, is that a personal value that you hold highly? Um, or where did that come from? Because it is quite prevalent on all of your your stuff. I am an idealist and it's it's got its downsides. Mm. But I was determined when we started this company to be really open and honest with people from the start, I think. It, you know it's in the obscure dark opaque places that you can get away with whatever but when you bring something into the light it's there it's exposed that's where we want to be this yeah. this company was designed for a very singular purpose it's not to make me rich or anybody rich 
I've never taken a penny from it today. Hopefully I will one day because <laughs> I'm going to need to pay my bills. Yeah. Um, but, but it was created for the purpose of supporting these charities, supporting effective yeah. and established organizations, fighting trafficking and caring for survivors. That is our singular mandate. Yeah. So I want to do it to the best of my ability. I'm not a person of huge business acumen. You've heard about my security venture. That was a catastrophe. And that's not the only one in my wake. But, but I want to do it as best I can. And I want to share that journey with people. I want them to know what they're supporting. I want them to know why they're buying our coffee. I don't want to hide anything from them. We operate such a lean machine at Blue Bear. We don't have money being burnt uh, unnecessarily. You know, I haven't been on really exotic coffee tasting trips all over the world at the expense of our customers because we need to maximize our profits. And I want to I, I, I put that as a core value because I have to keep reminding myself, share everything, share yeah. everything, share everything. There's always going to be people. I had a friend not too long ago, sort of friend of a friend, and the message dripped mm -hmm. through and said, hey, I, you know, this person thinks you're taking money from the company that they've just seen you like put a picture of your flat that you've done out. Actually, so I got a new kitchen in my, my flat. It turned out, well, actually, I had a water leak and I got okay. a new kitchen off the insurance money because it just wrecked my, my kitchen. But to someone, they thought he's yeah. taking money from a yeah. coffee you company. But there's always going to be some. And sadly, for all the encouraging words, and you know, just the way that the, the brain works right that's the one yeah. you you remember but but no i, I want to be transparent like i want people to ask us the difficult questions someone messaged the other day hey are your bags compostable uh, if not why not well thank you for asking they're not i want yeah. them to be we had a run of the compostable bags but for every one that we had they had to chuck away two or three because the surface of these bags is really really hard to print yeah. on so it's kind of like uh, so we're striving for it and we want to do it, we but are. also we've got to raise money. And if the coffee yeah. compostable bag costs more than the coffee does, then it doesn't, it's not economically viable. So yeah. we want to have that conversation. We want to be open and we want people to know what's going on in, you know, in, in the mechanics of, of Blue Bear. Nothing is hidden. So that's, I, I want you to hold me to that if you're listening. So um, feel free to, to sort of ask us those questions because I want to share it with you. There's nothing yeah. that we shouldn't be trying to, to share because this is a com communal journey. And yeah. I, think, I think people should understand what we're trying to achieve. And if there's a better way of doing it, then I want to know about it. Yeah, and if you don't ask, you don't know. So it's it's important. And I, I think that shows your transparency, Brim, that you're open for those conversations. I mean, if somebody was like, no, 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 don't ask me. I think there's a, you're like, mm, there's a, maybe something there, but because you're willing to have that conversation and I just really, I really admire that transparency. And I think that people in general admire transparency, even though you'll always have that one or that two that are maybe trying to catch you out as best they can. I think for everyone listening, being real and being transparent and being ourselves and discovering who that is, that's so, so important. Um, and to know what you believe in and to know what you stand for. But also just the word that you said there about being effective. I think in this life and in this culture, we can waste so much time and energy and uh, on things that don't actually really matter when we look at it. Um, and it's being effective with our time and being effective with our relationships and with people. Um, that maybe have the same passion as ourselves and just try to make the world a little bit better. Brim.
34 is not that old. Where did you get? Where did you I get read one of your vlogs about <sighs> dreaming big, and you get asked a question. Um, but I just wanted to say it's not. You're still you're still young. Don't worry. Thirty-four. Yeah. Thank you for affirming me. I feel and just letting everybody now. to know that's listening how old you are. But don't worry. Yeah. Thirty-four <laughs> years young. Crazy, isn't it? I still well, I I would say I look in the mirror and think I'm eighteen. I don't look eighteen. I look far from it. I'm one of those thirty-four going on forty-four looking <laughs> guys, but I still feel like a child. The heck? That's all that matters. <laughs> <laughs> but just just on that on that blog i read it was talking about uh you were talking about dreaming big and um you kind of touched on that what you hope blue bear coffee as a business will be able to contribute in the future and be able to fund and and give back and i love that that's your heart as well you don't want the tech you want to give um and that's so mm. important in this culture and society and world at the minute because it seems to be that everybody wants to tech 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 um, but actually we should be giving more of ourselves more of our resources and more of uh, just our knowledge and an understanding but what would you say to anybody listening to this Bryn that is longing to make a difference and be radical and you kind of touched on it that there was a moment for you when you saw that uh, ragged doll and that just really spoke to you and challenged you what would you say to somebody who maybe it's just there's something there and they haven't stepped into it just yet, but they want to. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that's such a, an important time and, and it's, it's the crux really. Mm. It's good moving into action. It's breaking that fourth wall. If you imagine you're living in a box and that fourth wall being the screen in front of you, mm. you know, I did a, and this is another opportunity for me to be transparent i did a sports science and drama degree oh. can you believe those two things can be wed together in a degree wow. yeah uh, you can imagine all the doors that opened up <laughs> up for me after i graduated with that qualification uh, but one of the very few things i remember from from the drama side of that that uh, ten thousand plus pound investment um was the idea of a fourth wall right yeah and uh, like almost if you're on camera if you're in tv like never break the fourth wall but actually you need to break that fourth wall you need to smash through that if you imagine people watching you for a tv screen you know you've got to push through that and do something so when you're sat there watching the news and going hey i care about this or reading a blog and saying i care about this or you're aware of something what are you going to do about it because caring is great but if you're not doing anything about it, then it's ultimately futile. And I encourage people to respond. If that means signing a petition, going on a march, volunteering somewhere, sending an email, sharing something on your social media, just incrementally, it doesn't have to be a jump into being the CEO of an NGO, but incrementally, there will be opportunities for you to get some skin in the game. And I, I think that is key. If you have that sensitivity that I was talking about early on a, on a subject matter, and I believe that's there for a reason, you got to feed it. you got to water it. you got to nourish it, respond to it. And if you're a spiritual person, if you, if you pray, then I would encourage you to pray. Okay, this sensitivity is here. I feel this way. What can I do about it? Where are the opportunities? Please present them because they'll come up. You just got to be willing to step into them. My experience of that was I remember being disillusioned. I'd left behind a very well-paid job. I knew I shouldn't be there and I quit it for nothing. 
And I met up with a pastor, my pastor, who's a very good friend of mine. And he said, Bryn, what bothers you about the world right now? And I would been watching on the news. I don't know if you remember a few years ago, there was a refugee camp called The Jungle in Calais mm. at the north of the French coast, just off our doorstep. And it was being torn down. It had been there for years and it was unsanctioned. So there was no UN support. There wasn't hundreds of NGOs operating there. It was a complete chaotic mess. And it was being torn down. And I just thought it, it looked like a worse version of what you see on the news in Darfur or somewhere else, but it's on our doorstep. And that I broke the fourth wall, right? I went with the CEO I had been working for, who was a good guy. And we filled our car with things. We went to Primark. So you have to forgive me for that. And, um, and loaded our car with the items that the, the charity there had requested things like socks and pants and tracksuit bottoms and sleeping bags stuffed it into my car, drove there, handed out the goods, met charity workers, met refugees, drove back in time for dinner. And it was a small thing to do, but it was action. And it meant that I could watch the news and go, hey, I, I, I know what it smells like there. I know what it feels like there. I had a conversation with someone from Eritrea that told me why he's fled his country because of the persecution that exists there, the horror of the human rights violations that exist there every day. I feel connected to this cause now beyond just watching it on the news. So I would encourage you, you don't have to do that. You don't have to drive to a refugee camp, but you can move from being passive to active, from being a viewer to a doer. That's what I would encourage you to do. Great answer, Brendan. I think just something that I've been um, just challenged on recently. I I work in full-time ministry um, for an organization coaching for Christ and just something that you know faith is obviously a prevalent thing in my life and something that has been really challenging me recently is that faith requires action a lot of people I feel think faith you know if you have a faith or you believe in God you know that's safe but actually if you read through the the same bible that I read it's faith requires action and, and faith requires risk um, sometimes the risk doesn't always pay off, but we learn from it. But at least we took that step. And I think just what you're saying there, it's just keep moving forward, um, regardless of what's in the way. And you, you take a step uh, forward and then another step and another step, and that wall will come down, um, hopefully by the end of it. Uh, but you'll have done something. And what you said there, you won't just become a fear of it, you'll become a doer of it. And I just think... For anybody that's listening to that, whether you have a faith or whether you don't, it's be aware about these things and be willing, if it moves you, if it keeps you up at night, to do something about it. And to go back to what you described radical as, Bryn, is going that extra mile and being prepared to do it. Could you please share Blue Bear uh, Coffee's social media just so people can be aware of it, can track what you're doing, um, can help fund blue bear to them for you guys to fund others and make a difference absolutely thank you for this opportunity to plug bluebearcoffee.com oh that was good yeah buy some delicious (laughs) coffee my favorite one we've got on the moment is from panama it's yummy but they're all good so you can buy coffee immediately that enters you into the bear pack you're you're one of us then as soon as you become a customer but also if you 
have an office. I mean, I doubt a lot of us are working from offices right now, but maybe you have coffee in your workplace. Maybe you have coffee at your church, at your local coffee shop or restaurant, or your dad owns a pub or whatever. I always ask people, if it's in your life, then why isn't it Bluebear? If this is something that matters to you, the reason the company was founded is because coffee's everywhere. (laughs) If you replace what you're using, I can promise you a great product. It's the very finest premium coffee out there it's a competitive price but better still everything we can get at the end of the year now here's to being transparent we have costs we got to pay for it to be roasted and bagged and shipped we've got graphic designer to pay we've got website fees to pay but we maximize our opportunity at making a profit and then we use that profit to give to organizations doing the good work so hey take us into your workplace take us into your lives take us to your gym introduce us to a potential customer and then help yourself to some coffee too and join us on social media we're on blue bear coffee co if you at that on twitter or or instagram facebook you'll find us please follow us come say hi it'd be great to have have more followers and even more followers from northern ireland if, hey. if that's possible i, I would love i would love Absolutely. that we've got Got some great relationships forming with people in Northern Ireland and invisible traffic I've got to know recently and we've got some friends over there. So yes, please, please come and come and say hi. Guys, hope you enjoyed um, our conversation with Bryn from Blue Bear Coffee. I know I got so much from it one of the main things being that slavery human trafficking social injustice is happening on our doorstep and what really challenged me was the question I asked myself and what am I doing about this and what small steps and what small actions can I take to help break this cycle and to help raise more awareness please make sure to go and check out all of the other organizations and things that Bryn mentioned one of them being invisible traffic those guys do an amazing work and a massive shout out to my cousin Megan who um, I was able to make this connection with Bryn um, through so massive thank you to Bryn Uh, loved what you had to say and really admire your enthusiasm and passion in your fight against injustice if you haven't already guys go and check out Blue Bear Coffee on their social media and remember to share Radical Living with as many people as possible 